Thanks for tuning in to Culture Car ATX. I'm your co-host, Michael Ward Jr., here with Donald Scott II. Our goal at Culture Crawl ATX is to change the world one conversation at a time. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today is another wonderful episode of Culture Crawl ATX. Uh, I am here once again, as y'all know, with our co-host, Donald Scott II. And today we have uh, a guest that will be joining us today, which is a, a veteran um, and we wanted to bring a veteran to the conversation because yesterday was the 20th anniversary for 9-11. And we've been seeing, well, at least I've been seeing, and some of us have been seeing and watching just what's been going on if in, in Afghanistan, but also what's been going on across the world when we think about war and conquest and the fight for land or resources and how that still impacts us today because 9-11 was 20 years ago, but yet we're seeing the aftermath of that really take shape this past week, this past month, and just how that has impacted all of us. So first and foremost, I can say that I am not a proponent of war whatsoever. Um, I believe that war is a waste of resources, especially when I take into consideration how many, how much, you know, or how, uh, how much finances, you know, how much of millions and trillions, actually trillions of dollars I've been spent on war, especially in Afghanistan, how much equipment has been left behind in Afghanistan that is no longer being used by the Afghan leadership. But then I look at the schools in America, I look at the roads in America, I look at the lack of of internet access in America. I look at the people that are homeless in America. I think about those that are living in poverty in America. And my thoughts always go back to before we venture out and send our, our citizens, uh, our people to go fight in wars, we should first take care of our, of our home. We should first take care of the people domestically so that we are stronger externally and we are stronger in foreign affairs because i know that there's been more than one war that the united states have lost or have wasted time energy and attention to so on this 20th anniversary of 9 11 i invite you all to just reflect on war reflect on the people in your lives that have been impacted by war but also just think about the veterans today that, have, that are no longer fighting the good fight, but now they're fighting a different fight because of what they have to go through when we talk about war and conquest and the fight for resources and land. So to our, to our guest or to, to our guest today, and of course, uh, my, my co-host, what are y'all thoughts when we think about the anniversary of 9-11 as we think about war as we think about what's going on in Afghanistan, what are what are some of your thoughts? Well, some of my thoughts are, you know, like it caught me when you said, you know, you're not a proponent of of war, and I kind of like to say that, but I, I clarify a bit by saying that I'm not a a pacifist. I mean, there 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 have been wars in the in the past that I would have I would have gladly fought in. You know, I would have uh, certainly have fought the, the Confederates in the Civil War, 
And I think, I don't know how many episodes, how many podcasts back it was, but you were talking about Haiti and, you know, uh, you know, the, the Haitian revolution. Uh, I, I was opposed to that war from the French perspective because they, 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 they were fighting for imperialism. But I would actually have to say I was pro-war, you know, from the Haitian uh, perspectives because they created the first black republic in this, in this hemisphere, which is not widely taught, you know, in our schools. It's not even like part of history. You know, you have to like, you know, find some, you know, a, a nice podcast like yours to, to hear that, to hear that story. So, you know, I, I, I have a lot of friends that are, that are pacifists. And when I decided, when I refused to go to Iraq, when I got called up, you know, people was like, you know, a lot of my passengers, well, you can request uh, for a consciousness objective status. And what that means is basically you, you, you tell the military, say, hey, you know, I've had a change of heart. I'm a pacifist and I don't believe in war. But I, could, I couldn't really say that because my, my anti-warness stance was, was very political. I was against U.S. imperialism. You know, I, I actually do believe that people have uh, a right to fight for self-determination. That was basically what all the all of the you know anti-colonial wars was. That's how many nations got their their independence from you know Britain, England, and oh, say even the United States. So, so that's that's my thought on 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 war. Yeah, I definitely yeah. see. Oh, go ahead, Donald. Yeah, I was going to add, um, I wrote a few words down, primarily the, the concept of self-determination, agency, and then imperialism. Um, when we, <clears throat> and, and highlighting the comment around like, thank you for your service. I did see, um, <clears throat> maybe I read an article or saw a quick clip on, on that concept of how is a veteran supposed to respond to the statement, thank you for your service. And, um, and what was said is, uh, whatever response is appropriate is the response you'll receive because um, acknowledging it is, uh, acknowledging the sacrifice is what's important. But then somebody went into, you know, there was a little bit of a debate and the question was, well, is it, was it a sacrifice if somebody, you know, knowingly wanted to go participate in in you know the protection and, and expansion of the <clears throat> influence of the United States. So because we we are an imperial nation, <clears throat> I think you have to decide which part of that empire you are comfortable with. I think you made a good point about um, <clears throat> not necessarily being a pacifist but also making the conscious decision on when war is necessary. And I think that's where sometimes the conversation gets lost a little bit as it relates to specifically, let's talk about Afghanistan being there for 20 years. Did we need to be there for 20 years doing what we were doing for us to go 20 years later and, and we not really have had a conversation around the meaningful, productive, positive impact that we 
added to those people's lives as it relates to our quote unquote war on terror. You know, I think um, it's difficult to easily be one side or the other, right? I don't think that there's a binary choice, but we are constantly being given the binary choice, which is, you know, the purpose of this podcast is to talk through uh, the concepts that are, that probably require more nuance. Um, And I I come at it, you know, sometimes from the concept of um, IND, right? Where our, our veterans groups are part of a um, discriminated group when we're talking about corporate America. Um, but then because of, because there is politics associated with the military, uh, you know, some people don't necessarily see celebrating. I don't know, I don't know how to say it. Like there's one way to support the troops and then there's a different way to celebrate war. Um, and so it, it gets sometimes a little tricky as you're talking through people's experience, especially because we are a warring nation. Um, even even as we finished up, <laughs> this, I, I'll use the word occupation, um, occupation in Afghanistan, people are asking, well, where are we going next? Right? Like the U.S. can't sit still for too long because it has to be in somebody else's business, uh, which, is, which is something that we have to consider as well. So as I, exactly. oh, go ahead, Carl. Well, exactly. I mean, I joined the military in 1982, and the first war I missed was the invasion of Grenada. And uh, for, fortunately, I, I wasn't one of the unlucky soldiers that was sent to, to invade uh, that island. And I, for, unfortunately, I was uh, on reserve duty at that time. But I can remember talking to people, you know, who from the Caribbean who had, you know, uh, sons in the military and how, how traumatic that was, you know, you know, cause you don't, I guess that, you know, you didn't expect to be invading an island in the Caribbean, <laughs> such a small, you know, uh, such a small nation, how could it have possibly been uh, a threat? And then of course the next nation, uh, the next war I missed was our invasion of, of Panama. And particularly for people in the military of color, you know, even if you're not, you know, let's say very educated or well-read, it it doesn't take long to figure out, you know, this country hasn't been all that nice to people of color, you know, people from the from the from the Caribbean or people from Central America. We we haven't supported those people. So how how could it be possible all of a sudden we're going to go help? you know, these people on this island or help these people in, in Central America, you know, given the way that, you know, we've treated them, you know, historically and, and continue to treat them we, even within our own country. It was just, it just didn't make any sense. So I, yeah, I would probably say that, you know, you know, people in the military of color are probably even more traumatized, you know, when, you know, these things, you know, happen. He's like, oh, we're going to go, you know, hundreds or thousands of miles to go save somebody else's democratic rights. And we don't even have historically had, 
those rights here in this country. It's, you know, it, it really didn't add up. Yeah. And that's where I go back and I think through this idea of war just to begin with. And there are other ways to come to a compromise or to come to a to an outcome without having to go to war. And for the most part, if you do go to war, the individuals that have either more bodies or more resources are the ones that usually end up winning the war. So when we think about the war today, and mind you, war has been different over the years, is war is constantly changing. And I don't want to make it sound like that I'm an expert in war. But what I do know, something that always happens in war is that people die. And I'm a big believer that no one has the right to take anyone's lives, whether it's good or bad, is like, no, taking someone's life is the end result. Yes, I'm a big believer that we need to fight to protect ourselves. It's a whole nother conversation. But when we go to, let's take the America, for example, here it is, and we've sent so many troops, so many of our soldiers to fight these wars. But then when they come back home, we don't even take care of the now veterans, because now they're no longer part of the, of the fight. We don't even take care of the veterans. So what I'm looking at this is now we spent time, energy, and resources to go and fight someone else's war or to fight war that is not on our land, right? And, you know, in our territory, I'm not going to say our land, but in our territory, we are now pushing those resources elsewhere instead of taking care of the people that are here, whether it's our veterans or our children or our adults, our working adults, those that are in school. There is a list of things that we can do instead of being on the quote unquote aggressive end of a war, right? Because we can still defend ourselves, right? We can still say, okay, because of 9-11 that happened 20 years ago, oh, these are the things that we're going to do differently to make sure America is always protected. So instead of us going and invading another land, we could have strengthened our borders. We could have increased our security. We could have invested in technology. There's other things that we could have done instead of sending people el elsewhere to go quote unquote help when, as Carl stated, we don't even help our own people that look like those people. So how can we really truly help if we're invading someone else's territory, don't have a good relationship with them, and we're not even doing the best that we can in our, in our own backyard? So based off, off of that, I just see war as a bait and switch. I see war as aligning the pockets of those that are in power or those that will be most likely to benefit from going to war with that specific nation, state, or group of people. Uh, so just looking at all those different buckets and seeing where we are today and, and look, looking at those different buckets, looking at where we are today, uh, looking at where we were, is that war today has a very different meaning that what war used to be 100, 200, even thousands of years ago, right? We are a different society, a different civilization, but yet we still use war in a very similar way, even though there are other needs that need to be met because of the creation of war and a continue, continues use of how we use war today. Well, exactly. I mean, 
obviously, you know, as you said, some people suffer, but some people benefit from, from war. Yeah, I mean, if you're a major corporation and you're manufacturing uh, planes, ships, tanks, you know, uh, computers that the military needs, then, you know, you're, you're benefiting uh, from that war. And usually it's, it's, not, it's not your son or daughter that's gonna have to go and, and do that fight. So, you know, uh, it's just simple global domination. And if, and, if you, and if you're, you know, the number one, you know, you wanna continue to, to dominate the world, you wanna keep people where they are, you know, you know, people have this term, what's it called, uh, third world. And well, we call them, you know, we're a little bit nice now, we call them developing nations. And I guess the developed nations, you know, they have all these organizations, you know, from the UN and the world, you know, uh, World Bank and everything that are supposedly helping, you know, these uh, so-called third world nations develop. But what I see, and the, the military is one of the main instruments, is we want to keep them exactly in their place. You know, we want to keep Jamaica, you know, poor. We want to keep Barbados poor. We want to keep Panama, you know, poor. We 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 don't envision that they will ever, even though we we pay lip service, you know, see them on an equal equal footing. And you know, the military is is one of those uh, uh, the instruments that we can keep people, you know, in in that status. You know, you know. Even a, 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 a small country, you know, that is mostly little, little countries that we've, we've attacked. You know, we, you know, we never attacked China or, or uh, the Soviet Union, anybody with a, a real military. We've always, you know, we either had a proxy guerrilla war or we, we sent in the Marines and the Army to, to some small country and for some to totally unnecessary, you know, reason you know panama was oh uh Man manuel noriega was a uh accused him of being a drug trafficker and i'm like really is he, he is he's the only one in all of the americas that's dealing drugs and 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 people went for that you know when we invaded grenada i don't know how i don't know how small grenada uh is but it was just a little tiny you know, island, and they had a deal with uh, Cuba to build an airport. You know, and, and and instead of using diplomacy or or some other non-lethal means, we we invaded them and killed you know a lot of their people. But somebody that was done in somebody's interest. You know, you know some of our young men died, but obviously some 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 corporation, some bank, made money off of that. And. You know, that's 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 why I am now, you know, uh, you know, anti-war, anti-military. Yeah, just based off of that, and I want to see if Donald have any additional comments. So just looking at, you know, a couple of research on my side here is that two point two trillion dollars was was spent on the war in Afghanistan over 20 years. You know, I don't know all the facts. But over the 20 years, and you look back of the war with Afghanistan, what were some of the, I want to say, milestones that we achieved? 
that truly benefited America. If you want to say that, oh, that we took out our, you know, our enemies or the enemy leaders, you know, quote unquote, I would say, okay, but yet we still have enemies today, right? So if you took out one leader, and this is this this goes back now to different movies, you know, when they say when you when you take off the head of a snake, another one grows back, right? So here it is that if we quote unquote took out the leaders, well, they taking out the leaders didn't end the war. It just either prolonged it or moved it in a different direction. And now we look at how the Taliban have taken over Afghanistan, pushed out the United States as they were looking to withdraw anyway, and then left behind so much equipment that was a part of that $2.2 trillion. So over 2,000 armored vehicles were left behind, 75,000 total vehicles between Ford Rangers, four three. 350s, Ford vans, Toyota pickups, armored security vehicles, 45 UH-60 Black Hawk helicopters, 50 MD, I'm not a military person, please, you know, correct me if I'm wrong any of these, 50 MD-53, you know, 530G Scout attack choppers, Scan Eagle military drones, 30 military version Cessnas, 4 C-130s, 29 Brazilian made 829 Super Tucano ground attack aircraft and over 208 aircrafts totals to begin with. And there's more, right? So this just shows a list. Those are just the, the vehicles and the, and the uh, helicopters. Doesn't even go into the guns or ammunition that was left behind on top of that. So just looking at this whole 20 years of war, we just made the Taliban so much stronger. There's been certain individuals who have increased their pockets because of this war, while all at the same time, American citizens have lost their lives. American citizens have lost their jobs, have lost how they generate income. Some have lost their minds, their body parts. It's like time out, time out. Like this is really the best option that we have is to continue to support war, even though it has these negative effects because for me on the outside looking in there's more negative components of the way we do war today right? i'm going to be very very clear that i do believe we need to defend ourselves i do believe that we need to protect our rights and liberties 100 agree with all of the above but at the same time i'm looking at how expensive war is to us as taxpayers and i see the detriment it has on the individual people or individual persons that are actually going and doing the fight to begin with Yeah, I'll jump in, um, especially on the concept of the military economy. And sorry for my, <clears throat> sorry for my voice. Um, <laughs> it's been a it's been a handful of late nights. Um, but when we talk about the defense budget, and then we say money was wasted or money was spent, I think that the narrative needs to start shifting towards the concept of theft. Um, if my tax dollars are going to a project that is extremely wasteful, and after all of the tax dollars have been spent, we don't see any meaningful, positive contribution or any new 
tangible asset that's been built, then that means that I didn't get what I paid for and therefore my money was stolen. Um, so to your point about all of the weaponry left, I don't, I don't know if it was actually left behind. It seems to me this without knowing anything that the basic outcome of the war with Afghanistan is that we created an army for the Taliban. And that's a very easy statement to make because the people who were in power before are in power again, and now they have an arsenal, like a full, a full military complement of vehicles and weapons. Not to mention, they have the social narrative that they should be respected on the world stage, or at least there's this concept of fear, the fear that if Afghanistan were to return to what the society is, we say we went over there to create. Although going back to that early conversation about how we, you know, people were talking about Afghanistan, even when the Russians were there, it's us who don't know the full history and those who do know the full history know what they're getting into and they make the decision anyway. And so it's a conscious decision to transfer wealth, I think. And that's, that ultimately seems what the military is about because when people are saying, you know, the, the defense budget is this, why can't we increase the education budget? Or there was this concept of moving money out of the defense budget to build the wall between Texas and Mexico. When you're using people's money in a way that's not benefiting them and it's not what they initially were told they were paying for, then I, I do believe that it's theft. Um, I do have a question though, and, and maybe this is a bit of a pivot, but it, it's, it's an interesting one for me because I, I was wondering, what does it mean to be an activist and a veteran? I did though hear that, that you're saying that um, you happen to represent now anti-war, anti-military um, ideals, but as a veteran, you know, you're, you still participated. So I wonder, <clears throat> um, is the activism to help other current soldiers like uh, think through their decision? Or is there any work that happens with the military as an organization to make it more um, globally conscientious? I'm, I would love to hear some of that, um, if you don't mind. Well, it's, uh, I would say, all of the above, you know, as somebody who uh, who had wanted to go to college and study political science, I'm, you know, all into, you know, about political theory and raising people's uh, consciousness. But I'm also about practical things, you know, like, you know, when I got called up to go to uh, to Iraq, you know, I I had friends that say, hey, you know, we're going to help you you know, avoid that. And, you know, then later I joined uh, other veteran organizations that were anti-war and we were able to, you know, help soldiers here on bases in Texas, you know, say, hey, you know, if you don't want to go fight in this war, you know, we have your back, you know, whether you go to, whether you go to get court-martialed and, and go to jail or whether you have to run to, to, to Canada or Mexico or wherever, you know, you know uh, we can assist you with that. 
So it's, it's uh, you know, on, on both levels, you know, uh, raising, raising consciousness and actually helping people, you know, on the ground. You know, a lot of people end up in the military because, you know, they're not going to college or, you know, they can't find a job or something like that. It's, it's rarely that somebody signs up for some sort of ideological, you know, uh, reason, you know, or because they've been in, in, in indoctrinated. Uh, we don't have a draft, but some people say we have what we call a poverty draft. You know, uh, kids are not, you know, signing up, you know, because the recruiter, you know, you know, told them everything that was going on and or they were, you know, politically conservative or whatever. Uh, people need to pay their rent. People need to pay bills. Uh, so they they enlist. And sometimes they're, they're actually their consciousness grows because of their service. You know, you're being sent all over the world and you're like, wait a minute, I'm not, I'm not actually helping people. This is not helping my country. This is not helping anybody. I'm actually helping keep, keep people down. And yes, people will say, thank you for your service. But, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people think, oh, I just wasted, you know, four or five years of my life you know, doing the wrong thing, you know, not, not benefiting anybody, not benefiting the people that I'm supposedly helping or, and it's not benefiting, you know, my, my family or my, my country. So sometimes you're, 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 because of your service, because you get to see upfront, you know, what is actually going on, your consciousness grows. And sometimes people don't have a, a, a voice to, you know, or a way to express, to, uh, to express that. So a lot of people, you know, people say, oh, thank you for your service. And we just nod our heads and, you know, say, you know, thank you. And we don't even, you know, we don't even say, you know, what's on our, what's on our mind. You know, we don't say, hey, you know, I, I, I risked my life. I could have died for nothing. You know, and, you know, a, a lot of the, the history, like I say, it goes way back before 9/11. People don't people don't realize that the CIA was financially supporting the Taliban in the 80s, in the 90s, all the way up until 9/11. We were support why why because they were fighting the Russians. They were the good guys, and we supported them. And then you know you know blowback hit us. You know they you know 9/11. And like, oh, wait a minute, we, the, the, the same people that we were supporting to fight the Russians turned around and now they're fighting, now they're fighting us. And, you know, for a young man, you know, to, to come upon his realization, you know, that, hey, you know, my own country is, you know, manipulating, you know, the, the, the system, you know, without telling anybody. And like Michael said, all, all that equipment that, that he listed, you know, that's all paid for. You know, and as Donald said, you know, it's, uh, what did you say? It's theft. That's our tax dollars that's already gone to, the, to those corporations, you know, that, that sold that equipment to the military. They already got paid. Regardless of whether we brought that equipment back or not, they had a contract. You know, so as Donald said, you know, that's, that's straight up theft. 
Yeah, and as I just hear you talk, Carl, man, it's the this idea of us funding or supporting people that are going against our enemies or supporting people that are go that are accomplishing a shared goal for the time and being, right? So, you know, this uh, this thought that we support people who expand the influence or expand the or accomplish the goal that we have sent out from a leadership standpoint right so if the united states wants to wants to you know quote unquote you know beat the russians okay cool well then let's support all the people that are going to the russians but then at the same time it's like well but then if we're supporting these people that are going against the Russians, but then what is our relationship with, what is our relationship like with those same individuals? Because look at what happened with 9-11 and look what's happening today. So I just look at these decisions that the United States make overall that may seem like good decisions at the time, but then they're not taking into consideration the negative outcomes that those decisions can have and what the blowback can be to us as people. Not even the United States as a country, but like the United States leadership is making decisions that directly impact the citizens of the country. Because I know that when I travel overseas, right, there's all these stereotypes and all these impressions or all these viewpoints that the people have of America, not of me per se, but because of the image of America and what America does. So now we're putting people, we're putting our citizens at, in harm's way because of the decisions our leadership is making and what that can do when we go and travel to certain places that they may not like what America is doing or may not have liked who America is supporting. Because it doesn't seem like, just based on this example, that uh, the Taliban was an ally of ours. It was the fact that the Taliban was just going against an enemy of ours so, hey, Taliban, for right now, you, know, you and I are cool because you're going against the Russians. So let me go ahead and fund and support you without really thinking through if the Taliban aligns with American values or democratic values, I should say. You know, that's where the disconnect comes into play and we could just see the blowback. Um, so it's, um, it's an interesting perspective that you share as someone who's a vet, who's been through the, the journey and can see the way that we the, the way that we actually value those that are in the military um, versus the ones that are out of the military versus the ones that are leading the military, right? And we see the differences of those people just based on how we engage with them every single day. You know, it would even kind of be a little. You could give them a little credit by saying, okay, well, they made a bad decision, but I don't even think it was a bad decision. I think, you know, if, you know, the CIA, you know, is, is filled with uh, people that are educated and knowledgeable, and it's like, okay, we're going to fund this Islamic fundamentalists just because they're going to help us fight the Russians. I said, you know, you could, you know, you had to have some forethought to say that, hey, you know, this might go bad. <laughs> you know, and, and let's say that it was an honest mistake. Well, maybe it was a mistake to, to sign up Manuel Noriega in Panama and put him on the CIA payroll. 
knowing that he's, you know, you know, trafficking drugs. And it's, you know, it's, it's country after country after country. We know that the CIA does that, you know, drug enforcement agents, they, they, they will cooperate with, you know, dictators all over the world. You know, so, you know, Afghanistan wasn't, you know, like the first time they, they made a mistake. They, they, they were making mistakes prior to that in Vietnam and other places, and, they, and then they're still doing it. Now we have a, a command uh, for Africa. You know, we have drones that we're sending to, to Africa to, 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 to bomb people. We, we're sending uh, special forces on, on military exercises in Africa. You know, so at some point in time, you got to say, well, no, this wasn't just a mistake and you didn't realize there was going to be blowback. You, you didn't care. You know, you could have foreseen what was going to happen today in Afghanistan. You should have foreseen that all that equipment that you just listed was going to be left behind. They didn't care. That's, I mean, that's what I believe. You know, they just said, hey, you know, this is what we're gonna do. You know, this corporation is gonna make uh, this amount of money, you know, you know, su supplying us with these vehicles. And uh, we're not even looking, you know, into the future. We're, you know, we're, we're just focusing on right now. And I think that was a conscious decision because no, no company works that way. No corporation works that way. You don't say, oh, I'm gonna make this business decision and I'm not gonna think about what's gonna happen next month or next year. You know, so why, why should our government do that? You know, so I, I, can't, I can't really give them any, uh, any, any kind of slack. That, that was a, a conscious, you know, uh, decision. And they probably say, oh, you know, this might come back at us and they say, we're gonna do it anyway. I think that's what they did. <clears throat> this is this has been an interesting um, conversation because usually whenever I whenever I talk with veterans, <laughs> they're always um, pro military and pro war. <laughs> at least at least as it relates to how they fit into the experience. Um, and so then. If you couple that with the way debates go when we're talking about the military and it's like, you know, somebody will say something and then the immediate retort is, well, you must not support our troops. Why don't you go to a different country? <clears throat> and it's like, because it gets elevated so high, then people are like, no, no, I support the troops. And then they're ultimately saying, I support the wars. But there's this trap of language. And then there's this overall feeling, or maybe even um, there's this concept that all troops and all, all current service members and all previous service members support the military. Um, so I'm wondering how big of a group do you think it is of people inside and outside of the military who are not necessarily pro-empire, but maybe they don't share that information or, um, or you know, it's, it's just not something that they share out loud and publicly, but among known circles, is it, is it a growing uh, percentage? And ha has that group of people always been around? Because I've, 
like I said, the, the concept of activist and veteran is kind of weird to me um, because I've never experienced that, that idea. I've never even considered that idea because it's something that is almost like impossible. Yeah, well, to answer your questions, uh, yeah, it's a growing group and it's, it's, it's always been ever since there's, there's been militaries for hundreds of years, there's always been people that disagree. Or, but like you say, you know, people are afraid to, to speak out. You know, uh, I put military, my, you know, my military service on my LinkedIn and on my resume because I love to play that military card. You know, I'm, I'm gonna get a, a job because it's there. You know, I'm not I'm not going to walk onto the job and, and, and tell people, hey, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I hated being in the military, <laughs> you know, because we live in uh, a country where, you know, we love our police. And, you know, we love we love our our military. So if you. You have to find a forum like this where you feel safe, you know uh expressing yourself you know this this way you know there are millions of people millions of veterans that that feel as i do but you know you're, you're going to experience some some backlash if you you say it publicly so you know like i say you know people say thank you for your service and they have no idea what you did <laughs> why you were in the, the service or how you were traumatized and you just say you know do I do I tell them the real deal or I just say you know thank you uh and I do that sometimes you know people just say thank you for your service and I you know I just kind of look away and I say you know thank you because it's not I have to pick a time and place you know where I feel comfortable you know expressing how I feel about you know about about my service you know, and then it comes up. I was in Germany when the Berlin Wall came down in 1989. And, you know, that was supposed to be like such a happy time. But I found out later what happened with the re reunification of East and West Germany. You know, a lot of people didn't know that a lot of Africans live, you know, in, in Germany. They had a lot of... Uh, people to come there because they had a sh uh, worker shortage. They had immigrants that were coming there to work and, and in East Germany. Uh, so what I heard after the Berlin Wall came down was Auslander Aus. They, they wanted all these foreigners gone. And when, when they, when they, and when I mean foreigners, they specifically meant, you know, uh, black people. And while I was in the service, I, you know, I had a chance to go to, to England and, in France, and and you you see, you know that racism is not just confined to <laughs> the United States, but it's 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 there too. So while you know people were like happy, you know that this you know tremendous event happened, I'm looking like okay, well this is good for, you know, you know good for Germans, good for real Germans, which are white Germans, and they want to kick all the immigrants. You know, because the United States is not the only anti-immigrant uh, 
nation, you know, France and, and England have have their uh, their problem too. But you know, you're expected to say good things about your service, right? And this is oh, Carl, you oh, you've been to England and France. Oh, you must have had a a wonderful time in in in, in Europe. And you're like, yeah. And uh, so people are kind of shocked when you you know, you, you, you tell them, you know, what it's, what it's really like. So you get used to not saying anything. You just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, whatever. So there, there's lots of yeah, us. That's a... <laughs> yeah, there's lots of us that, you know, that feel like I do, but, you know, not everybody is that vocal. Yeah, that's an interesting concept. If if you think about the idea that um, we are sold the opinion that all of our veterans are happy with their decision and wouldn't have changed that decision if given a second chance, and therefore. If you say something that's not positive about their experience, <clears throat> you are wrong. But because we believe that, we never hear the truth from our veterans. Not all of them, right? I mean, I'm sure that there's a, a very large number of people who would do it again. And, and like you said, we have family in the military and, and are proud to have served and, and all of those things. But we never hear from the opposite or, or never, never really exposed, rarely, I would say, rarely exposed to anyone articulating an opposite opinion of we support our troops, we love our troops, and our troops are the best in the world. Um, and, and if you say anything that's against that, then you hate America. <laughs> and so, you know... It's interesting to think that there are veterans who would side with the people who would be told that they hate America, even though they're veterans. And they, they're, and, you know, <laughs> they're the ones who get the most freedom to state how they feel about the country, uh, given that they fought for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's exactly that binary that you know, you, you stated earlier, you know, it, it's, it's very simplified. He says, you with us or are you against us? You know, they, they got upset when the football players started kneeling at the, at the games, you know, and, and not standing for the, the national anthem. And, you know, a lot of uh, black intellectuals started, you know, uh, delving into the history of, of, of the national anthem and how racist it was. And people like, wow, I, I, I didn't, I didn't know that. They only know one thing. You with us or you against us? You know, so just play ball. You know, just put on the uniform, just go to war and don't say anything. And, you know, that's that's the big problem in this country. And on that note, we thank you for listening and ask that you click that like button and subscribe to Culture Crawl ATX wherever you listen to your podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation and heard something you can take back to your friends and family. Please follow us on Instagram and LinkedIn. And remember, you can always find the latest episodes on culturecrawlatx.com.